0: Another week, another city. I say another week, another city. Well, it is another week, another city, because we missed last week and you were in a different city (laughs) last week. The travel continues, the exploits of of Gigi Salmon. So
1: I believe you're now in Lisbon. Sounds very jet-setty, doesn't it? Uh, Yes, No, I'm in Lisbon. It it is very jet-setty. Where were you last week? I was in Doha. (laughs) Uh, there you go. Yeah, Lisbon. This uh, Lisbon is work. Working on the paddle. There's a there's a couple of weeks left of the Premier Paddle season. This has been the first year of of Premier Paddle, and this is the we're doing it. Um, it's quite complex, but we're doing it remotely. The tournaments in Mexico. We're in Lisbon, um, and it's the it's the major. So it's effectively the Grand Slam of of paddle. So Lisbon this week, but with the time difference to Mexico, kind of working through the nights but I've kept my running going I was chatting to you earlier you know when it's that end of season feeling a bit coldy and you add in children who at this time of year get all sorts of germs we've talked about some sort of illness and bugs and children and you, you can feel that your body's ready to just let go and I'm, I'm desperately trying to keep it at bay and I go for my runs I'm like no we're fine we're okay um but I am kind of I think I'm teetering on the brink i basically I'm scared of stopping because if I stop it's just all going to collapse I know, it's like when you go on holiday and you get ill. Yeah, or it's Christmas. Just, yeah. In the, Christmas, you know when you're I'm younger like... and you would you'd, you'd partying, working, whatever you're doing, and you'd go to your parents and you'd get there and you'd be ill. And you're like, why is this happening? And it's basically because you're stopping. Yeah, sometimes stopping
0: is the worst thing. It's like when I was a player when you'd be just so desperate for a week off, like it's just a holiday, and then you'd take <laughs> the week off and it would be lovely. And then you'd come back to play and it would just be so painful because you just felt so unfit uh, I mean, it comes back very quickly, but it, you people would just be like, it's not worth it. It's just not worth a week off. It is worth a week off. Any young players <laughs> or anyone who knows young players, your time off, your rest is where you bank all of your gains. And then it does take another week or two to build back up to your fitness. But as long as you plan it in, those, say, three weeks of sort of week off week back which will be painful and then a week feeling okay before you get back up to full strength again um are just so so worth it if you can get them in at least a couple of times a year but yeah that, that first week, it's like the first week of the, the pre-season training after off-season holidays for everybody in the Maldives go back to train that first week oh
1: that is I was wondering they I was wondering about time off because we have been seeing the Maldives pictures but I feel Almost as soon as I've seen the Maldives pictures, I'm seeing the pictures saying, last day, it's been great, thank you. And suddenly pre-season's back again. It doesn't... I know people have been stopping at different times, but it doesn't feel... Has has the closed season always been this short? Do, do you only have such a short period of time before you have to get back at it? Yeah, it's always been pretty short. I mean,
0: yeah, it, it got extended because... Um, I believe the first events of the year got pushed back a little bit because it was getting to the point where qualifying was sort of on Christmas uh, (laughs) or sort of like just after Christmas. I used to always travel out to, say, New Zealand, maybe Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, just depended how it felt.
1: That is brutal not to have. But I guess you got used to it, didn't you? That was your life. You weren't. I think that's brutal. But, and, but then at the same time I was working, I remember I was doing radio shows on Christmas Day. But I guess as a tennis player, you just got used to the fact that you would be traveling around that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's the same in a lot of sports. A lot of sports operate through the, the Christmas period, obviously. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that was pushed back a bit. But then um, changes to, like, say, Davis Cup and Billie Jean King Cup now means that more people are competing in that last week. It used to be two teams doing that last week after the World Tour finals of the men's and women's, but now you've got lots of, you know, like you have a big bunch of the top sections. So, you know, you could argue, you know, if you're somebody like a Sitsipas who's not going to get anywhere in Davis Cup because um, the Greek number two is not not strong enough, um, then you maybe got an advantage because you're just never going to play in the Davis Cup Finals. I mean, I don't think people would trade it. Otherwise people wouldn't go, would they? If they really, if they didn't want to be at the Davis Cup Finals, they just wouldn't go. So I'm not saying they would trade it, but you can, you can someone like Sitsapass, you know, he's not going to be in the Davis Cup Finals. So he
1: gets an extra week, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's getting that balance, but it's tough, isn't it? Because Davis Cup, Billie Jean King Cup, it's, it's representing your country. And that's something very special isn't it? So you can say, well, everyone goes. Yeah. You can say if you're tired, you don't want to go. And and we saw that those players, the Billie Jean King cup finals, who'd made the move from Fort Worth, who'd really were, and Iga Chante could put her cards on the table and said, look, I can't, it's not good for my body. It's not going to happen. Fair enough. Some made that journey and and we saw the fatigue and we saw the injuries. And we saw the fact that some actually couldn't take to the court in Glasgow because of the travels, but it's a, it's a special thing. And, And I think, a lot of us set up to attention when we saw the comments coming out from, from the USA camp involving Rajiv Ram, who was world number one in doubles. They went on to win Turin, but wasn't part of that Davis Cup USA team. And, and I know there's so many different factors involved and it's not as straightforward as well, I think it should be. You're number one in your speciality, so therefore it's an absolute no-brainer. But I know when you're dealing with personalities and characters and whatever, it's it should be as simple as that but in reality it's not as simple as that. It's
0: not, it's very complicated, I imagine this happens in all team sports really Um, it's sort of similar to the to what we had from Dan Evans after Glasgow, talking about uh, the doubles players and the fact that he could play better, like he he wanted to be on the court Um, and you know he's somebody that has really proven himself in doubles particularly through this year, he's made finals of Masters and, and and uh, you could understand where he was coming from, and you could understand the frustration because GB lost those deciding dub, uh, doubles matches, um, which knocked them out. Um, and yeah, and that was the other half of Rajiv Ram's world number one uh, doubles team. They're not world number one anymore, but they were at the time, uh, with yeah. Joe Salisbury in, in the British team. So, um, you know, it's difficult to know whether that was directed at Joe Salisbury or whether it was directed at Andy Murray. Um, probably uh, Dan just wanted to play. <laughs> it's basically the long and short of it. And look, that's a really good thing in a captain. You want people who are desperate to get on the court. You want people who are going to be a, a bit pissed off if they're not picked. And if they're benched, yeah, that's yeah. what you want. And it causes you issues because you've got to manage the situation. It's very, very challenging, but you don't want people who will go, Oh, you know, I'll sit out. I mean, that's it's not what you need. It's, this is, this is Billie Jean King cup. This is Davis cup. This is, you know, the, the end of the season, you need people who are just desperate to get out there. So um, I do understand it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was a talking point right from the beginning when uh, Rajiv wasn't selected for the uh, the finals in, in Malaga. And uh, as you say, world number one, I mean, to not even go, that's the thing. It's one thing being benched and not playing, but wasn't even selected on the team because they wanted room for other people. Um, and it all got a little bit... Um, a little bit salty on Twitter, didn't it? Really, with uh, some comments from from Tommy Paul and and others, and and I think one thing that I would say I don't know what the decision was, uh, or where it came from. Obviously, Mardy Fish was the captain, um, but often what happens and I'm not saying this is exactly what happened, but often what happens is that the team have an opinion, especially when it comes to doubles players, you might have one player that you know is going to play doubles for you. And you say to them, who do you want to play with? Or you say to the team, you know, after Glasgow, you know, what's the situation? And, you know, I don't believe this was just uh, a captain taking a stance and saying, Rajiv, you're not coming. Um, I think it was sort of, Collectively, the feeling was that spot could be used more effectively. Somebody like a Jack Sock, you could argue, you could play singles and doubles. Could that be more useful? Um, but he's not been competing at the very top of the game in either singles or doubles. Um, <laughs> in comparison to, say, Rajiv, as you say, at least Rajiv is was you know the best in the world at what he did. Jack Sock, <laughs> yes, we know his potential. We know everything that yeah, he's achieved. But he hasn't done it this year. You know that that's not what he's been. Uh, been about so yeah I don't know it's hard to not it's difficult isn't it now with hindsight because obviously they didn't do very well in the finals but it's hard to not think that that was a bit of a bizarre decision, as I say, to not even go. One thing to not play, but to not even go.
1: It's a tough one, isn't it? And we've talked in the past about team sports and those players who like being part of a team and they really embrace it. And I saw that at the Billy Jean King Cup finals. Others that find it a little bit difficult because you play in a solo sport and you spend the whole year doing your own thing. And suddenly, and we've spoken to captains and teams who have accommodated a player, because of how good they are, but they've been very different and they've kind of done their own thing and they haven't really been part of the team, but they are there because of what they're going to bring. And ultimately, it's about getting the results, it's about getting the win, it's about progressing. So I understand there are, I'm not saying anything about anyone's character in, in the in the US team, but as the captain, I guess you have to listen to the team, you have to do what's right for the team. I, I cannot imagine that the inclusion of Rajiv Ram would have been anything but a but a positive. I mean, I, I just, and I can't help but feel for him because you work so hard at your craft to be the best, and there should be rewards of being the best. One of those surely being a shoe in for your country, something that people take so much pride in doing. And you're at the top of your game and you're thinking, I might not be the youngest, but I've got to the very, very top and surely I'm going to have a chance for a moment. And I know in doubles it's different, isn't it? Because we saw with, with Great Britain, yes, you've got Joe Salisbury at the top of his game, but he's playing with someone who doesn't normally play with and there's the different dynamics. And what I'm basically saying is I would hate to be a team captain because sometimes... You have a country, and it's very easy to make the decision because they're the only players you've got. But then, when you've got this wealth of riches, it's difficult. And uh, I feel no, I feel gutted. For He's such a lovely man, so nice. Well, the good thing is, is they they won Turin,
0: so that was huge. Yes. and that yes. was yes. the yes. biggest prize pool for any doubles pair ever. Over nine hundred thousand dollars for the pair for winning Turin. Unbelievable. I think the US Open wow. was like seven hundred thousand or six hundred and eighty thousand, something like that. This was absolutely huge. And you wow. think about it, just the two tournaments between Rajiv and Joe, uh, they won US Open, they defended their title there, and they've won in Turin. You know, that's that's one point five million dollars between uh between the two of them. That's just on two events. They've obviously earned lots more than that. So, you know, look, he's making a fantastic living, but I am just fascinated because The way the team selections would work is, you know, I'm I'm sat here saying the fact that he didn't even go. One thing to not play, but he didn't even go as the world number one doubles player is bonkers. But the reason they get to that decision is because they decide that he's not going to play. And then with the strength and depth that you've got in the US team, why would you then take him as a doubles player? Because it's not like he can do anything else apart from play doubles and if he's not playing doubles because the other guys don't want to play with him or whatever the situation or you've decided that he didn't play well enough in Glasgow or whatever the situation is then you know you know there's absolutely no point in taking him so I do understand that that but it's there there was obviously a decision very quickly after Glasgow to say Rajiv you're not coming so I, I just yeah I mean, that's going to take a little while to to sort out if you do want uh, Rajiv back on the team anytime <laughs> soon. Um, and so the doubles pairing ended up being just for people's reference. Uh, Jack Sock and Tommy Paul played uh, played together.
1: What's okay? What's worse, not being picked, or if he had gone and he had just sat there and not taken part? If if that was if that was you and you and Reggie Ram's position, which which one's worse? Because I think. Almost being selected and sitting on the sidelines, being at the top of your game and not being used, is that more painful? Or would you rather have, have been part of it and not played? Well, I think
0: the the pain comes from the conversations that are being had because they're, they're brutally honest and they're difficult to hear. And you, you, know, someone like Rajiv, I'm sure, is going to disagree and go, what are you talking about? Of course I should be there. I'm the world number one. Yeah, this is bonkers. Um, but so you... You could argue that the US team and captain did it right by basically getting it all out of the way before they went and just saying, you're not coming, you're not playing, it's it's not happening. Because they could have just taken him knowing that he's probably not going to play because, well, people don't really want to play with him or this is the situation. Uh, And then he gets there. And then you have to each day go, this is the team for the day. (laughs) Rajiv, you're not in it. (laughs) <laughs> and um, and then you have to have those conversations because then he'd be saying well, why, why can't I play doubles surely I'm here to play doubles and then he would be saying why am I here if you're not going to put me in doubles so I can understand um, definitely but it's difficult because also you know yes you've got Jack Sock with everything that he's achieved in his life and his career but he's not been doing it week in week out this year in singles or doubles, he just hasn't been. Um, and I know he still had some great highs, but it's very different to being somebody like Ram, who's done it week in, week out, defended his US Open title. And of course, he ended up winning Turin because it, it's just so much more reliable under pressure. When you're in that deciding Do you doubles match, you can, you can go, right, this guy's been doing it week in, week out. All year, he's going to find it.
1: Do you think it could be a generational thing? Because those guys are all of an age and, and Jack Sock is kind of one of the guys and you've got you know Paul, Tiafoe you know they're they're, a, they're of a generation I know Jack Sock is, is older but then Rajiv Ram is is older still Do you, I mean do you think there was an element of that in The thing, Yeah I don't um, I really don't think that there
0: is anything to it other than just tennis decisions I really think that you know as I say Tommy Paul spoke up a little bit and was very critical of Ram's performances in Glasgow and I I just think that they thought that it was the right decision. So I I would never accuse them of going, oh, we just don't like Rajiv. I mean, no one doesn't like Rajiv. He's like the nicest guy in the world. But but also, (laughs) I, I just don't think that would come into it at all um no no know, they that, they want to go there not they, that
1: they don't like him but that you know they are of a generation these guys hang out a lot they're just uh, sort of bonding I, as i'm not saying they don't like him but do you see what i mean in the sense you've got a group of guys yeah, no, are- I, yeah and i just i just don't think so i think if they thought
0: that rajiv was the best option i think they would they would go with him i would ne- i would never think that that they would uh, would make decisions ba- based off of that I, I can't i just can't see it are you
1: good at making decisions? I am. I'm so bad. I'm so, I want someone to make all the decisions for me and I'm talking, um, oh, <laughs> let's have a, let's have a takeaway tonight. What do you want? I want someone to tell me what they, I can't make a decision. Like I, I, are you good at decision? I'm terrible. Um,
0: well I've, I'm sort of, I think backwards to most people. Maybe I'm not, I don't know. Big decisions. Yeah. I'm, um, very good. Very quick. I'm quick, but I'm thorough. And once I've made the decision, I stick to it. I don't worry. I don't have sleepless nights. Oh, wow. Big decisions. Talking about, you know. So I was looking when we, we we bought our our house. I was I went and looked because I wasn't working at the time. So I went and yeah. looked at house. And I just I just told Ben we're buying this house. That's
1: had he that's seen it? it?
0: I'm sorry,
1: had he seen it, or do you just say no?
0: No, he hadn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um no, well, we you, like, you, I just said trust me it's fine you need trust
0: in a marriage don't, so I appreciate that but that's a big call but yeah he was like you know what about the area I was like ah we'll make it work it's fine like, <laughs> I don't know much about the area either but we're just you know I, I um with the big decisions <laughs> I just I I just have a real sort of um fear of getting stuck in okay. life i just always want to be traveling in a direction so if there's decisions to make of like shall we move here shall we have a baby Shall we get married Shall we do this you know whatever oh, wow. um i am very sort of like snappy with it and just that's like that's great. what we're doing yeah. let's just go for it let's commit uh and then when it comes to little decisions mm-hmm. uh that yeah that becomes very i'm very similar is like, what do you want for dinner i, I don't care I just, I just it's just not so important. You're like, it's not important.
1: This. I've done the big thing. I've bought the house. I've chosen the house. You choose the dinner. <laughs> I mean, it, you've got, and the other thing to add to your big decisions was our podcast, because I would have did it. I would have, we've talked about this we we talked about it someone suggested that we should do this podcast because we were always talking on air off air just always talking um I would have did it I'd been, like should we oh, I don't know will people listen to it I don't think they will I don't think I, th- that would have been me for years you came in the next week said oh look my friend's done some artwork when are we recording and I was like oh and then and then when I was working Eastbourne you're like right I'm coming down let's do it which is I I need that because I'm <laughs> I'm rubbish. I I will follow, and I I'm just very. I just so, so thank you, thank you to you. We are now well. We'd have been talking anyway, but we're now talking in a podcast sense. Oh
0: well, that's good. But also, I'm I'm more than available for big decisions for other people. I'm very. I love I love those conversations. Oh, the big wow. decisions of okay. like, oh, what do I do? I like going through it, working all out, and then saying bang. This is what you should it's do. Amazing! Go for it. Commit. No one ever does, but they should.
1: <laughs> this is this is. You could do like a sideline of this. It could yeah. even be a new yeah. a spin-off podcast. People would come to you. I'm a big decision their, maker. That's what I do with their problems, and they could lay it all out, and you could make the decision for them. They come to you knowing that you will make that decision. And they'll have to stick with it. It's like a game show. A quiz well, show. I didn't, I I exactly.
0: Do they have to stick with it? I don't. I know. I think
1: they should. I look <laughs> life decision to make, and they can't make it. Okay. Well, you my should try it first. your next big decision. Is, well, my next big decision is where to go for lunch in the same village we're in in Lisbon. Well, it is because I'm I'm That's hungry. Not big. Uh, it's okay. I so next time I've that. got a, a big one, big decision. I'm going to come to you. This is like, this is this is great. It's revelatory. I love it. Um, you touched on the beginning, um, just slipping away from tennis, but well, no, I can link tennis in. You mentioned Doha. People thinking Doha. Uh, I went to the World Cup. Now I wasn't wasn't I wasn't working. We had the opportunity. Our friends live in Doha. I lived there for years. Um, We had the opportunity, so we had the accommodation sorted. We had some deal with the flights. We got some tickets. An opportunity to take the boys, and they're at that age seven, where it's their life. You know, they love it. It's football, everything. Ah, so we made the decision to go for a week. And I know there'll be people listening who aren't watching it, disagree with why it's there, and and I understand everyone's concerns, but if I just put those to one side and just talk about going to an international sport event with young children as a parent, it was amazing. It was it was child friendly, it was accessible. Um, we went to England, Iran to keep one of the boys happy. We went to Australia, France to keep the other boy happy. And that the twin that was supporting France, his brother decided to support Australia, like vehemently so. To the point where his dad was like, can you swap nice. seats with him? Because he keeps supporting Australia. He keeps shouting Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And uh, so he was annoying his dad and his brother. <laughs> but on the way out this the Australia had lost, this man handed over uh, to my son uh, a, lo- a life-size blow-up kangaroo. So he's he's basically decked out in his Brazil kit, loves oh, his Brazil yeah. kit. He's supporting England slash Argentina. And suddenly he was handed this kangaroo that's almost as tall as me. And I'm, what, six foot? It's huge thing. It made his... Way. But it's just sort of a, a snippet of the environment was amazing um, in terms of it was well-organised, felt safe. You know, with young children, you know, they, they run off or you... There, there were, It felt safe with young children. Uh, the weather, obviously, is a bonus because it was warm. Um, but, you know, really enjoyable and... I remember in my first match, um, I could see people turning around taking photos of what was above me. And I was like, no, I'm not going to look. I am not going to look. I thought it was sort of David Beckham or someone who was there because it was England. I turned around. It was Victoria Razarenka. Ridiculous. And that was at the England-Iran game, wasn't it? That was it. It was the England-Iran game. I looked up and I was like, and then, well, later she was at the Argentina game another day. And she posted a picture saying one of my life's wishes I wanted to see Messi play live okay uh, but I don't know why she was at the end game but it was one of those things where I turned around saw her and um I put it I sent it to you in a couple of tennis groups I'm on so I had to take a sneaky little photo so I do that thing when I turn around and obviously everyone's looking at me because I'm now looking up the rose to take this photo and I, I felt really silly and all these people started looking up probably thinking well who is she taking a photo of plus I like, it's Azarenka and I got really excited as I sent it to you going look who I've seen uh, and Diego Schwartzman was there well he was there for the Barcelona uh, sorry the Argentina defeat to Saudi Arabia and then the next day we walk around in the souk near the fan zone and all the Brazil fans were shaking the hands of the Saudi Arabian fans saying thank you very much so you know it's that that kind of (laughs) you know it's that carnival atmosphere when everyone's thanking everyone and just taking photos and I think one of my boys my brother said one of my boys the challenge of getting selfies with with different nations so he had a picture of some japanese fans who were fabulous uh some Dutch, you know so it was so just as uh, it, i was there for a week i wasn't working but it was i've got to say as as an event with with the boys it was it was really nice it's so
0: cool i can imagine the group stages are really good like when you're there in that environment because you do have you know so yeah. many countries so many nations you say a bit more of a carnival atmosphere but definitely from watching back home it's much more interesting now we hit the <laughs> the knockout stages assuming that we get there which we have got there
1: <laughs> well done <laughs> what was it? England but there we go it, 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 it was interesting yesterday because obviously we were covering a tournament in Mexico and yesterday Mexico were playing and ultimately would go out and goal difference and Argentina were playing so the match I was commentating on had an Argentinian and we'd seen pictures on social media of all the Argentinian players watching so this match was it was I don't know it was the second game and there weren't a lot of spectators because they're all watching the football he no. was Mexico <laughs> And suddenly you heard this, it almost made the stadium shake because Mexico had scored and they scored again. And then Argentina scored. And it was really funny because the player, Franco Stupachuk, at the changes, he kept sort of smiling and looking around because it was, you know, at this point, all four teams in the group could have gone through. But I forgot Mexico were player, I knew Argentina. I was like, wow, this noise. And then I saw that Mexico, and then obviously they go out in goal difference. So everything goes silent everything is really quiet but it's a it's I I love events like this because they bring everyone together don't they like whatever sport wherever you are people I know people who are invested in it that never watch football I know my other half doesn't like football but every day he sends me his um he's doing some score prediction thing with his work and so it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm I'm just finishing. And he's like, who's going to win all these matches tomorrow? And I, I can't even remember what I predicted. But it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I like... It, it's like, I don't know, in, in the UK, Wimbledon, suddenly for those two weeks, everyone talks about tennis. Everyone lives it. They yeah. get involved. And, and something like a walk... I know there are issues of where it's being held. I'm not ignoring those. But just talking about it as an event, I love the fact that... I love the fact that it brings everyone together. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it, it really does. It's been... I must say like the atmosphere in England has been quite quiet I don't think I've seen a single flag yet
1: really? yeah well, not, not, mean, know, I,
0: but I think maybe knockout stages I think maybe
1: yeah I, th- I think there's among the England fans there's still a lot of doubt of if we actually come up against a very good team because no offence to any Welsh listeners Wales <laughs> weren't very really good uh-huh. and England got held by the USA. And I, I think I think that there's still that trepidation that I think it's Senegal they've got next, that they come against a strong team who are going to keep possession, that England are going to find it very difficult. So I think there's, I, I can see if they get through the next stage and I think they'd probably set up a quarterfinal with France. So I think that's how it will probably fall if things go to plan. I think then you'll see, and I should be back. Will I be back by then? Because I'm I'm going to Milan next week. This is the final week of, of Premier Paddle. And maybe with Italy not in the World Cup, do you think they'll be ignoring it? Do you think there'll be nothing? It'll be like tumbleweed through the streets of Milan. Probably. Nah,
0: nah. They'll be watching. <laughs> they'll be watching. I don't think
1: they'll be supporting, but they'll be watching. The um, And on the the other tennis story, I don't know how much we want to or can go into it. Um, Fernando Vadasco, a couple of month ban for a drug that he said deals with adhd that he was diagnosed with and this it sparked a lot of chatter hasn't it within the kind of the tennis media and the, and the tennis world so many questions have come out yeah. of this um
0: you sort of think if somebody's making a statement like that like i'm taking a ban that they, there aren't any questions they're just taking the ban um but yeah so many questions and a lot of uh chat on twitter about it i know ben rothenberg has been talk- talking a lot about it uh riley opelka had plenty to say yeah. on the matter as well because the issue was that he has had a TUE, which is an exempt um from a performance you can use a particular performance enhancing drug if it's being prescribed and it's being used for something medical and it's something that ultimately uh has always been very controversial but it's controversial for a number of ways, all the TUEs. One, because they're not transparent. So you can't just go and find out what TUEs people have. You just have no idea. I mean, we take Vadasco, for example, because we're talking about him. He could have 25 TUEs going on at the same time for loads of different sorts of... You wow. I, I don't think that is necessarily <laughs> happening. <laughs> How can it be a top athlete? <laughs> wow. But as in, you know, the argument is sort of if it's legitimate, then you should know. And yeah. as an opponent, you should know what you're competing against. Um yeah. And, you know, so that that's definitely a big problem because ultimately TUEs are for drugs that are ordinarily banned. They are ordinarily not allowed. Now, some of them are not in themselves performance enhancing. Sometimes they are masking agents and it's the thing that you will find to mask a performance enhancing drug if somebody was cheating. And sometimes those drugs that are masking agents are in perfectly legitimate things um that you could use to treat medication so I could sort of understand I can understand that so you get your TUE and you're allowed to be found with this masking agent in your system because you've declared it you've written it down that this is very different to say a Simona Halep or a Maria Sharapova who had not written down that they were taking these things that have been found or that I understand I'm not 100% sure on Simona Halep so I do apologize if I've got that wrong but what from what I understand, they had not every time you fill out forms for a drugs test, you have to write down everything that you are taking. Whether it's a TUE or not, whether it's paracetamol, it doesn't matter what it is, you've got to write down that you're taking it. Um apart from caffeine. Caffeine, do what you want. Uh which which is funny because it's a massively performance enhancing drug, but yeah. they just can't they just can't control can't police it in the world that we live in with caffeine on every corner of every shop, of every road. Um so so this is different. So Vidaska had been declaring that he had been taking this medication, Adderall, as Americans would know it, um, and he just hadn't renewed his TUE. He hadn't renewed his exemption, so then he was found in his system but didn't have a legal exemption. So because they think, oh, well, that's fair enough, he's been given a two-month suspension. Now, massive questions as to why he's suspended now in the off-season um, when he was caught in February i don't i don't have any idea how that works because there's normally a bit of a lag but as we saw simona halep was tested at the us open and that came out i don't know like normally like four to six weeks later it's not that long you know sharapova was at the australian open and it was about four to six weeks later when she was talking about maybe even even less so very well that it's gone from february so i do think that people other players and everybody else on the tour is owed an explanation for that maybe the explanation is well he had a pretty valid defense because of the exemptions uh, it's not like he was pretending that he hadn't uh, that, that he hadn't been taking something like this uh, and we were just dotting the i's and crossing the t's so that we could get to the point that we, we we settled on a two-month ban um but yeah i don't know it's difficult tues in themselves as i say the majority of them are used for performance enhancing drugs they that's what they do ultimately if you're really really sick if something makes you feel better it's a performance enhancing drug it's making you feel better on court even like a decongestion for a heavy heavy cold if that decongests everything and makes you breathe better makes you recover better like it's very performance enhancing and the it's a that it's very but is difficult that to decide where the because a,
1: decong- a decongestion would just take you back to where you were whereas a I think of a performance enhancer as something that takes you To another level. A decongestion would just get you back to where you were before you were congested. I see a performance enhancer as something that takes you to a level that you're not normally at. Sure. Um, And I totally understand that argument. But then then you could say, well,
0: I'm knackered after playing for six hours. So I'm just going to take this EPO because it will just get me back to where I would be normally in terms of feeling fresh legged. So whether it's an illness or fatigue or whatever the cause is. Anything that makes you feel better ultimately is enhancing your performance because everybody's got to deal with this stuff. Um, you know, yeah, something, it's, it's interesting because something like Adderall, like I believe it's it's sort of like, it's very easy to get hold of in the States. It's very difficult in the UK, for example. It's quite, it's quite well policed. Even getting a prescription for it, they wouldn't just sort of hand it out willy-nilly, but I think in the States it's um, it's different. Ultimately, it helps you concentrate for longer that that's, seems to be the, the long and short of it, which is very, very helpful on court.
1: Yeah, you see, and so, so for me, that falls into a different category rather than just use that example, congested, I'm not as congested, something that actually keeps that focus. But I, I but then I also see your argument of if you took something like that, it would also help. Oh, it's difficult. I, I don't know how you police it. I don't know how you deal with it because some people have genuine... Yeah, because everybody has their own doctors. I think I think the only way to police it
0: would cost a huge amount of money would be that for any tue it has to go through uh one of wada's doctors for example so WADA is the world anti-doping association so it has to go through one of their doctors because ultimately you just need a doctor to say that you've got asthma and you need this inhaler which helps you breathe much better um and so all you need is for a doctor to sign it off and then you can apply for your TUE the doctor will be contacted they'll do some due diligence but ultimately there are plenty of doctors who'll be more than happy to go yeah sure you got
1: asthma have a have a pump I mean it's ridiculous the amount of athletes that have asthma ridiculous but it's crazy that there isn't something because you know I'm not doubting doctors credibility I honestly not if you're a doctor listening but but you're right you can be we have that sometimes when you go and I don't know uh, I've got a really bad sore throat, the doctors don't really want to give you medication, like please, please, I need this, I've got to go to work, and eventually they do, because you need those drugs to, to help you work and to get you back out there, so it's crazy, and I say I'm not, nothing against doctors, but that you can go in and say this is really bad and I need this, and they give it to you in all good faith. And it can enhance what you do. It's crazy that there isn't something already in place that needs to go through some kind of system to sign these things off. But as you say, it costs a lot of money because there are so many of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that, you know, the amount of people that have inhalers that, you know, it can't be possible that they all need them, but they've all been prescribed them. Um, and that's it. And, uh <sighs> you know and it seems like from what Riley Opelka was saying online I think Pam Shriver also said something similar about the amount of players taking Adderall um it's just not it's just nowhere near the numbers of people that would could possibly have a disorder like ADHD that would require them to take it it would be quite a small percentage but everybody not everybody but loads of people seem to be doing it so there are obviously loopholes and TUEs are something that are exploited and there'll be loads of athletes who have legitimate TUEs and they need this to because they have a problem a medical condition uh, that needs to be um, sorted um, but as I say you know where do you stop uh, do you are you able to get um, you know really strong painkillers because you've got a really messed up knee or something that, and the painkillers are not really illegal, but you they're not, they're not really legal. They're performance enhancing ones. You know? Yeah. Where does it stop the, the line between vitamins and drugs and, and everything? It's absolutely impossible to work out. Um, but it would be fascinating, wouldn't it, if they say release the top hundreds TUES?
1: I, obviously, you can't because it's medical records. I get it, but it would be fascinating. Well, I, I definitely know that before I commentate this evening on the round of 16 of the Mexico Major, I will need to take some throat sweets. Um, I hope their performance caffeine. In, I hope they're. Per- oh, you don't caffeine. Well, I don't caffeine. drink caffeine, but. Performance enhancing, they'll probably make me sound a little better than I probably do right now. I think they're legal, they're allowed in commentary, (laughs) but I I will need definitely some form of kind of throat sweet and a bit of a a gargle, I think, to to get me through these final couple of weeks of the season. Um, I'm going to have to leave you now, though, because in Portugal, restaurants close, so lunch finishes so I have to go out and get oh, some don't miss f- lunch I have to go out and get some food uh, my Christmas tree arrived today back home that's very exciting news I know yours won't have done I know it won't be arriving I'm not even going to ask you about Christmas <laughs> Um but no I've, I've enjoyed this and I, I look forward to speaking to you from Milan next week yes, yes. It's okay, bye enjoy.